Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. That's awesome. I was, well, my name is Luke, by the way. I'm an apprentice pastor here, and I get the honor to speak this morning. Let me just move some of this stuff out of the way. As I was walking in, I went, oh no, water everywhere. What a start to the sermon, Luke. That's okay. No electrical fires or anything. We're good. Wow. A flood. That's hilarious. As we're going through Genesis, a flood happens. It happens. As I was walking, I went out to go get a coffee, and as I was walking back in, just hearing everybody singing a thousand hallelujahs, it was just like a glimpse of heaven. It was amazing hearing everybody's voices and just people who are seeking the Lord. And everybody this morning has a story. Everybody this morning is walking in here with something. Something happening. Multiple things happening, whether it's illness or, or pain or loss of a loved one or, or shock of a situation or life change or stress or work or whatever it is, everybody in here has a story. And every single person here needs to know that God is with you. God is with you in that. God is with you. Psalm 23, He will walk with you through the valley. I don't know what that looks like for you, and I don't know how long it's going to take, and I know that there's a lot of whys. Why, God? Why haven't you? Why aren't you? But trust, God is with you. Wake up every morning and just hold on to one of his promises. Hold on to a promise. He's with you. High on the mountain, he's with you. Down in the valley, he's with you. He's always with you, and his presence is comfort. His presence is peace, fullness of joy, life. So before I go into my sermon, I'm going to pray. Just pray that the Spirit would come. So why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the truth that no matter what stuff we're going through, Lord Jesus, that you're with us. I know I needed to hear that this morning. And I know so many of us need to hear that. It's so sweet to trust in you, God. You are our firm foundation, our solid rock. You are our peace. Lord Jesus, we love you and we need you. And we can't get through and be and live without you, Jesus. We love you. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Fill us all with your spirit, that we would have ears to hear you, eyes to see you. Just peel back the veil a little bit, that we could have a glimpse of you, just to know you more. And Lord, would you humble me and speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying the hot weather. I saw it's supposed to get up to 40 this week. I'm working on my sock tan, and it's strong this year. And so as soon as it hits 40, it's going to be really, really strong. I promise you. So we live in a culture that loves to ask questions. And I think in the last couple of years, we've probably asked more questions than we have in our entire lives. Like, what is COVID? What is happening? What's going on? Why do I need to stay six feet apart from that person? Why do I need to wear, like, why do I, like, what are vaccines? How many vaccines do I need? Just so many questions, so many just, like, 
what is happening moments over the last couple of years. And it's not just COVID. It's questions about anything. It's questions about everything. It's what's the right diet for me? Where should I go on vacation? How do I make the perfect French press cup of coffee? And if you know, please tell me. I'm trying to master it. How do I save money for retirement? What is the meaning of life? Questions everywhere. We ask big questions, small questions. Why do we all ask questions? It's because we're all seeking the truth. We're all ultimately on a search for truth. We are longing for truth because nobody wants to live a lie. Even if we want a lie to be true, we still want the truth. We're on a search for truth. Nobody wants to live a lie. And we have all these questions that we need answering. Have you noticed, though, that in our culture, it is so hard to find the truth? In an age of social media and internet and Wikipedia and Facebook and all these things, it is so hard to find what is true and what is not. There are answers to every type of question you could imagine. If you're asking about science or politics or COVID or religion or vacations or how to make the best cup of coffee, there are billions of answers available to us right now. You can pull out your phone and just endless answers to whatever question you have. So many answers to any type of question we can imagine. And one of the most common and talked about topics or questions is Christianity. I thought you guys would get it because we're in a church here today. Is God, Jesus, Christianity. Questions like, is Jesus real? Did he really resurrect from the dead? Are miracles even possible? Does God send people to hell? Does God predestine people? Why is there suffering in the world if God is loving? Massive, massive questions. Big questions. And we want the truth. And if we look these questions up online in our day and age, you will find, again, a billion of answers. Some of them will be true. Some of them will be partly true. And some of them will just not be true. And if we're not careful, we can get lost in a flood of answers and be swept away with a lie. And as Christians, this is so important. It is so important to be aware of lies and culture and truth. Because if we get swept away with a lie, we can think wrongly about God. We can think wrongly about ourselves, wrongly about the world around us. And ultimately, if we're thinking wrongly about so many things and about God and Jesus, we can get led away from, from God. We can lose our faith in Jesus. And I'm sure many of you have heard of these celebrity Christians and popular Christians, whether it's worship artists or pastors, that over the last few years, I mean, it's happened, I'm sure, since the beginning of, beginning of time, but people who have lost their faith, they start asking questions And they realize that the answers they're finding are not the same as what they grew up learning about. And so their image of God is is twisted all of a sudden. And and then they decide that they can't reconcile the two. They believe a lie about God. 
and then they walk away from the faith. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying at all that these people are ignorant or dumb or anything like that. It is so important to ask questions, and we'll get to that in a second. I'm saying if we don't be careful about what we're taking in, about what we're reading, about what we're looking up on the internet, if we are not careful, we can easily take in a lie, and it can set a course for the rest of our lives. It is crucial to search for the truth. It's crucial to search for the truth, to, to ask questions about God, to read the Bible, to talk to wise people, to read books. It is so important to ask questions in order to find the truth. And the New Testament writers put it like this. They say, be firm in your faith. Search for the truth. Be firm in your faith. Hold fast to Jesus. Be strong in your belief in God. Don't let what some guy says on YouTube carry you away from the hope and presence and power and truth of who God is. Believe the truth. Stand firm in the truth. Be firm in your faith. Because you're going to have questions. Everybody has questions. And others are going to ask you questions. If you're a Christian, Others will ask you, why do you believe this? How can you believe in a God that blank? Others will have questions. And it's so, so important for us, for your own faith and also for the people who are asking those questions around you. It is so important to be able to know the truth of who God is, to be firm in your faith, to hold fast to Jesus. I'm not saying that, every, that the, any one of us can have a perfect theology. That's all I'm saying. There's always going to be disagreements. But we need to hold fast to Jesus and not let a question carry us away from him where we're separated from him and we lose our relationship with him. And can I tell you something that you really need to hear is that God isn't afraid of your questions. He isn't afraid of your biggest questions. He isn't afraid of you going, God, why is this happening? How can this be? Why are you doing this? Why is this going on in the world? Where are you? He's not afraid of these questions. In fact, if you read the Psalms, the Psalms are full of questions. Why have you forsaken me, God? Where are you? Why have you forgotten about me? That's brutal honesty with the king of the universe but God actually loves that. Doesn't want us to be following him passively. He wants us to dig deep and be firm in our faith, to search for the truth, to ask big questions. And he's bigger than any of our questions. In fact, so much more than just not being afraid of our questions, he will use those questions that you have today. He'll use those to strengthen you. Use those to let you be a light in your workplace, in your family. Use those to help you be firm in your faith. And again, why is it so important to be firm in your faith? Because your faith in Jesus defines two and answers two of the quick, biggest questions that you can have. The questions are this, who are you and what do you do? Who are you and what do you do? When you meet somebody in a grocery store or at church, what's the first question you ask or you get answered? It's their name, 
say, hi, I'm Luke. And it's like, oh, when, what do you do? Oh, I work at a church, or I'm an engineer, or a doctor, whatever it is. I'm definitely not an engineer or a doctor. I work at your church. Those are the two questions that we all revolve around. Who are you? And what do you do? How do you spend your time here on earth? And those two questions will set the course. What you believe about those questions, about who you are and what you do, will set the course for the rest of your life and potentially your eternity. So this is a big deal. Be firm in your faith. If you believe a lie about these things, if you believe a lie, and we have an enemy who is the father of lies, and maybe you're thinking, oh, this guy like lies, and you know, an enemy, the devil, this is just the truth. If you look around our world, it's easy to see that we have an enemy who wants to get us and wants to put us down, help like make us believe lies. We have an enemy who wants to feed you lies to keep you from who you really are and what you are meant to be doing. Believing a lie about these things can lead to shame. It can lead to guilt. It can lead to a bitterness or an anger. It keeps you captive. And you're not able to live your life away from the lie. You're not even aware that there is a lie going on. It is so important to, be, to know the truth, to be able to separate the truth from the lies. So you, this morning, maybe this is you, maybe you are feeling just a weight of shame and of guilt. Maybe the enemy is telling you that you can never be forgiven. Maybe the enemy is looking at something in your past and going, look at what you did, you will never be able to get away from that. Maybe he's saying, this mountain that you're facing, this trial that you're going through is way too big for God. He's not important for you. He can't give you what you need, whatever the lie is. Maybe you need to know this morning the truth of who you are, the truth of what you do now on this earth. And the truth is that we are all sinful people in need of a Savior And in Christ, we can be forgiven, that we are loved, that we are restored to the Father. That relationship that we need more than anything in the world, that is available to us now in Jesus. That shame you feel that can be broken through the power of Christ, that guilt you feel that is done away with through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. There is nothing too big in your past that Jesus can't deal with. Nothing too big for him to forgive you and free you from. This is who you are. You've been set free from sin, from grave, from, from death, from the enemy's power in your life. This is who you are in Christ. And in Christ, what you do is you live for others You live for God and you love others. You love God. You serve others. You live selflessly. You make disciples. This is what you do. And believing anything other than this, other than the truth of you are loved, you can be forgiven, you can be free, believing anything other than that will keep you from freedom. It will keep you from freedom. 
Because Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth of Christ will set you free this morning, this day. The truth of Christ can set you free. So know the truth of Christ. Be firm in your faith that you can know who God is, who you are, and now what you do. And experience freedom. In an age of social media and internet with billions of answers, billions of questions, hold fast to Jesus. Be firm in your faith. Know that God loves you right now where you are. Be firm in your faith. So, you guys still with me? Awesome. Just a, just a reminder, not pointing any fingers or anything, but if you could, turn off your phones. That would be amazing. No judgment. Again, forgiveness, freedom. Truth will set you free. So, we've been going through the Old Testament, and it's been an amazing series, the Jesus Code, seeing how Jesus is in the Old Testament, and is, the Old Testament's all about Jesus. It's been amazing. And so I thought it would be good for us in this kind of be firm in your faith to actually go through one of these common questions about Christianity and about specifically the Old Testament. All those other questions, by the way, that I asked, we did a, a, a sermon series called FAQ a few years ago. And if you want a link to that, we just did a new website and it got lost somewhere, but we are finding it. So if you, yeah, I know, I know, so convenient, hey? Uh, if you do want that link eventually, like come and talk to me and I will email you the link when we find it. But I want to go through a question together today. A common question that people have, and it's this, is can we even trust the Old Testament? Can we trust the Old Testament? Is it actually true? Is what it says about Jesus actually reliable? And this is and has been a common question for people forever. They look at the Old Testament with its stories and its characters and the people, and they just think, there's some crazy stuff in there. And honestly, it's true. Like, talking serpent right off the bat, like, God doesn't pull any punches. It's like, right off the bat, you have a talking animal. How are you going to deal with that, hey? Talking animal, a flood that covers the entire world. People named Adam and Eve at the start of the world. A, tong a talking donkey. Two talking animals in the first like, few books of the Old Testament. Mind-blowing stuff. A few men who never even die, but just get taken up to God. Jonah being eaten by a huge fish and living inside of him for three days. Like, what is happening in the Old Testament? There are some crazy, crazy stories in here. And some people just believe that they are just stories, that they're legends. They're made up for whatever reason. Some people point to the fact, as well as these stories just being crazy, some people point to the fact that um, you can't prove some of the people in the Old Testament were, were real or not. Others point to archaeological evidence that seems to point against the accuracy, historical accuracy, of the Old Testament. So that question remains, can we trust the Old Testament? Is it actually a trustworthy book, like piece of scripture for us? And maybe you're wondering, well, it doesn't really matter if we trust the Old Testament or not. As long as we believe in Jesus, we're good. Like, we don't need 
If the Old Testament doesn't work out, we still have Jesus, we're fine. I'm going to lovingly say that you cannot separate the two from each other. They are so linked together. The Old Testament was crucially important to Jesus, and Jesus was crucially important to the Old Testament. So they are linked. They are inseparable. So it really matters whether the Old Testament is true or not, because if Jesus believed that the Old Testament was trustworthy and, and uh, we could believe it and hold fast to it, and it was reliable and it was so important to him, if it's not trustworthy, then we actually have a question of, well, can we trust Jesus? If he believed it was trustworthy, but we find it to not be trustworthy, then can we trust Jesus? So, big questions. Are you guys gonna, are you looking forward to answering this question with me? Because I love this kind of stuff, but it's a little bit, it's a lot of facts. I hope you find it really interesting. So, how can we know whether the Old Testament is trustworthy or not? This is actually probably a good sermon, like, if you do want to pull out your phone and take notes, like, there's a lot of just, like, points, and it's easy to follow, so maybe if you want to do that, I encourage you to do that. So how can we know whether the Old Testament is trustworthy or not? We're going to look at the New Testament and the teachings in the New Testament, namely Jesus' teachings, as evidence for why we can trust the Old Testament. There is external evidence, but that is beyond the scope of this sermon and my abilities. So just stick with the New Testament. But I really do believe that it's It's a really strong argument for why we can trust the Old Testament. Maybe some of you are thinking, you're using the Bible to support the Bible. This isn't going to work out. You know, you should just, it's okay. You know, you tried your best. But me, as well as many other smarter, wiser, intellectual people, do believe that you can prove the trustworthiness of the Old Testament using the New Testament and Jesus' teachings. So, Let's get into this together. Can we trust the Old Testament? Step one, is the New Testament trustworthy? Before we can trust what the New Testament says about the Old Testament, we need to know that it's something we can trust. So three really quick points. If you want more detail, read The Reason for God by Tim Keller. That guy's a genius. So good. Point number one, the timing of the writing. Oh, no. Oh, one sec. Uh. No, that's right. The timing is far too early for the Gospels to be legends. The, so the timing of when the Gospels were written and the New Testament was written is far too early for the Gospels to be legends. So the Gospels were written at most, they believe, 40 to 60 years after Christ's death. And Paul's letters were written 15 to 25 years after Christ's death. So these biblical accounts of Christ's life were written... Uh, within the lifetimes of, of people who saw him. So that means that there were lots of eyewitnesses. Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen six that more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time saw Jesus. Some of them had passed away, but some of them were still alive. So go talk to them. Go ask them if what we're saying is true or not, if Jesus actually did do the things he said he did. Another example is in Mark where 
Mark says, They compelled a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry Jesus' cross. So why would he put that detail in there? Because he's saying, if you don't believe me, go talk to Alexander and Rufus, and they will back up what I'm saying. Or they can tell you that it's a lie. But they can vouch for the truth of this. So if hundreds of people have seen Jesus and were still around when these things were written down, they would have had hundreds of people to vouch for their truth or contradict it if it was a lie. So they had so many eyewitness accounts. Tim Keller even says, it would have been impossible for this new faith to spread as it did had Jesus never said or done the things mentioned in the Gospels. So, the things happened and people could vouch for their trustworthiness. trustworthiness. So the timing is far too early for the Gospels to be legend. Point number two, the content is too counterproductive for the Gospels to be legends. The Gospels were not made up to promote political power or political gain, and it's really easy to prove this. It's because if anybody heard of a man who was crucified on a cross in that century, in that time, they would immediately just assume that that guy was a criminal. No matter what the person was saying, even if they're like, no, he was blameless, he was, he, no, he shouldn't have been crucified, they would have gone, no, he's not, he was crucified, he deserved it. So, not something to build your faith off of, not something to build political gain off of, if it's not true. Why would anybody choose women to be the first people who saw the resurrection? We've talked about this a few times um, in our sermons. Because women didn't have, like, their testimony didn't hold any weight in court in that time. So having a woman to, uh, to first see, like, to have it written down that Mary saw Jesus first, and she was the one to go and tell the disciples, people would have been like, no, that's not true. So it's not something to have just made up. It wasn't a reliable thing to use if you're just making up a story. Another one which I really like is, why would anybody play up the failures of the leaders of the church? If you read the Gospels, like, you see the apostles, sometimes they're just, they're just not the wisest guys, it seems like, sometimes. A lot of arguments, Peter just being like, I'll do anything for you, Jesus, and then running away from him and denying him and cursing him. Like, there is a lot of mistakes made by the leaders. And if you wanted to have something to promote political gain, you'd probably want your leaders to be, look, pretty heroic, pretty strong. We can trust them, but honestly, it's a bunch of broken people who made a lot of mistakes. So there's not a lot of reasons why the Gospels would have been made up to just promote political power. Another reason, really quick, is that the Christian's emphasis on helping the poor and oppressed was not part of, like, like the Greco-Roman society, that world. They weren't interested in it. And Tim Keller said it would have actually offended that society. So it was not used as, like, political, not used for political gain. And number three, the last one, how the Gospels were written are too detailed to be legend. Basically, I could give you a big, long, beautiful C.S. Lewis quote, but I didn't really understand it, if I'm honest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was reading, I was like, I don't, I barely understand this. I don't know, you guys are probably smarter than me. You could probably understand it. But basically, this is what C.S. Lewis said. 
Ancient fiction had no unnecessary details in it. And the Gospels are chock full of details. So fiction didn't have details. The Gospels have lots of details. Jesus fell asleep on a cushion in the stern of a boat. Peter was a hundred yards out from the, from the water when he saw Jesus on the beach. They caught 153 fish. Jesus doodled with his finger in the dirt. These incredible details point to it being an actual, true report of what happened, not just made-up fiction. Because in fiction in those times, they would only have things that are crucial to the development of like the characters and the plot. They wouldn't have had details like this. So, I believe that these three points, really briefly, and there's more, and there's more details in the reason for God, they point to the New Testament being trustworthy. You still with me? Okay, I'm having a lot of fun. This is awesome. So, within the New Testament then, which we can see is trustworthy, what does Jesus say about the Old Testament? If we believe that the New Testament is trustworthy, that the things that were said by Jesus and done by Jesus were, could be vouched by people and had eyewitness accounts and weren't made up legend, then what did Jesus actually say about the Old Testament? Jesus believed three things about the Old Testament. Jesus believed that the Old Testament was inspired. He took the whole of the Old Testament to be the Word of God and the commandment of God. He says that in Matthew 15.3 and Mark 7.13. He accepted all the sections of the Old Testament. He mentions Isaiah and David and Moses as the human authors of some of those books but then also confirms that they spoke from the power of the Spirit and through prophecy and that their words are the commandments of God. Meaning, he took the Old Testament to be inspired by God. He also says in John 10, 35, that the Word of God, the Scripture, the Old Testament, cannot be broken. One commentator said this, there can be no falsehood in the revelation of any part of the divine will. There can be no falsehood. It cannot be broken. It is inspired. So Jesus believed that the Old Testament was inspired. Jesus also believed that the New Old Testament was authoritative. The scripture cannot be broken. It also means that it can't be deprived of its binding authority, another commentator said. Like, the the authority of the Scripture in the Old Testament is final. It is authoritative. And Jesus demonstrates this multiple times by using the Old Testament to teach and to correct and rebuke people. And when he was in the wilderness with with the devil, he used Old Testament to basically defeat the devil in the uh, in the wilderness. And in the NASB, which is my version right now, which I'm really enjoying, the, when Jesus quotes Old Testament passages, they're in all caps. And you read through the Gospels, and it's like all caps so often. Like he constantly goes back to the Old Testament. So he believed that it was authoritative. And I think the most interesting point of the three is that Jesus believed that the Old Testament was historically accurate. And this is one of the things, like I said at the beginning, that people struggle with the most. 
did these crazy stories in the Old Testament actually happen? Did they actually happen? And what's amazing is Jesus affirmed the events and people of the Old Testament as true. Here's a quick and non-exhaustive list of all the people and stories that he said and he believed to be historical facts. So here we go. Adam and Eve were real people. Cain killed Abel. God did tell Noah to build an ark, and he really did send a flood over the entire world. Moses was real. Abraham and Jacob and Isaac were real. Sodom was a real city that got destroyed. Manna was sent from heaven. David ate the bread of the presence. The prophets were persecuted. Jonah and the fish was a real event. And that's just naming a few. That was like from the top of my head, all the things that Jesus said. And he said in a way that he knew, he wasn't using made up because he was using it as fact. And if you want more details on that, I listened to a really great sermon by Ray Dirksen at Southland Church. As we go through this series, he did a a lot of the content for it. Um, And so I can give you a bit more detail on that afterwards. But basically, Jesus believed that these were real people, real events, not myths. Even, there's even good, strong, like, backing for the talking serpent and talking donkey and all those things. And again, for more, just talk to me after. I'd love to chat. So Jesus believed that these were real events. And he believed that the scripture was binding, authoritative, and true. And so if he did that, then we know that there couldn't be any falsehood in them. Jesus said that the scripture cannot be broken, and he's talking about the Old Testament, which has all these crazy stories in it. So Jesus believed that the Old Testament was historically accurate and ultimately trustworthy. Jesus believed the Old Testament to be trustworthy. So we have one question. In order to really answer the question, can we trust the Old Testament, we need to answer one more question. Do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Because if we do, if we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he's God, that he's blameless and perfect in every way, that there's no deceit in him, if we believe this, then we can confidently say that the Old Testament is trustworthy because Jesus thought that the Old Testament was trustworthy. As Tim Keller says it, I accept the Old Testament to be trustworthy because I believe in Jesus and that was his view. So we can trust the Old Testament if we believe Jesus is who he says he is. We can trust the Old Testament. Good job. Good job. We went through it. We asked a question. Can we trust the Old Testament? We researched. Well, I researched and I shared it with you. We looked at the Bible and we found a conclusion and a really strong argument, I believe, as to why we can trust the Old Testament. We sought for the truth. We held fast to God. We didn't doubt him based on a question or how can there be a talking serpent or how does that Jonah and the fish story real? We just go, okay, God, you're bigger than my questions. I trust you and I believe that there is an answer for this and something I can really rest on. So, what now? Well, I say to you what Paul and Peter said to the early church. Be firm in your faith. 
Amid the flurry of questions that you have or other people may have, remember that God isn't scared of your questions. He's bigger than your questions. Be strong in your belief in God. Seek the truth of who He is. Pray and ask Him to give you wisdom in these really hard questions. Hold fast to your belief in Jesus. Be firm in your faith. And for those of you that are here, and whether you know it or not, you're believing a lie about Jesus, about God, about who you are, those of you who are tired of living with shame and with guilt, those of you who want to be free and healed from the brokenness that we all have inside of our souls, those of you who want more from this life than money, success, and a good time, who want purpose and meaning, who aren't satisfied with this world, for those of you who want more, know the truth of Christ and be set free. Know the truth of Christ and be set free, and He will free you from shame. He will free you from guilt, from bitterness, from anger, from that hopeless feeling inside. He will fill you with hope. He has taken your sins onto the cross, and they died with Him so that you could be free and forgiven and alive forevermore, that you may have a relationship with God that you could know the God who loves you, who created you, the one who satisfies the deepest desires in your soul and can heal you from all of your brokenness. Because that's what he's doing in me. He's done in me. It's what he's done in so many of us this morning. He will heal you and free you from your brokenness. Know this truth and Christ will set you free. Be firm in your faith. Be firm in your faith. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as the worship team comes up. If you want, <clears throat> if you want to live in this truth, if you want to be set free to live <clears throat> the way that you were created to live, to know the love and forgiveness of God towards you and to live for God and His purposes. If you want to be set free, would you, with nobody looking, would you lift up your hand? Let me pray for you. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, I see you. Thank you. I see you. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. And our pastors and elders are also here to pray with you during worship or after the service. So please come and receive prayer from them. But before I pray, I just want to, yeah, I just want to pray for all of us. So God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, for those of us who do know you already. I thank you that you have set us free from the lies of the enemy, that you've set us free to live in the truth of who you are and the truth of who you've made us to be, God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your work on the cross. That is the forgiveness of our sins and the reconciliation with the Father, a relationship again with the one who loves us and who created us. 
I thank you that this truth sets us free. And if you lifted your hand or you didn't, but you want to step into this newness of life and truth that Christ offers, would you repeat, repeat this after me in your own heart? God, I believe in you. I am a sinner, but you've forgiven me through Christ. I ask for forgiveness for my sins, and I give my life to you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Show me who you are, and fill me with your love. Thank you for forgiving me and loving me. My life is yours. So God, make us firm in our faith. When we have questions, when we don't know the answer, God, when there are doubts, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the confidence in you and in who you are to believe and to hold fast to the truth of Jesus. That you are the God of the universe, the one who made the stars and the earth and the planets, that you made us. You're the one who breathes life into our lungs every day, that in you we live and move and have our being. Would we live in the truth of who you are, Jesus, and be firm in our faith that we and the people around us would be transformed by the freedom of Christ. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.